at the back of the room. So, um, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I am excited to be home. Uh, we got to take a little trip to California this week. It was wonderfully encouraging. Got to see some dear friends who are a part of the revival that God has going throughout the earth and just heard some fantastic testimonies. I want to share one testimony with you, and while I'm doing that, Awino's actually going to pray before I speak, so Awino's going to grab that microphone and then come up and stand next to me with his beautiful self. But check out this testimony. There was a group of people who were asking the question, what would it be like if God began to invade in some of the other spheres of society, some of the kingdom? And so what they did was they took this group and they said, okay, what would it look like to bring the presence of God into some of the, the higher echelons of business? Now, who, who would, what would be kind of like the highest echelon? If you could like take business and distill it down and be like, now that's business, um, what would you think of? Anyone? Any ideas? Banking, okay, you know, and you know, that's true, that's good. How about Wall Street? So this group got permission to go out to Wall Street and to just hang out. Now, he told his team, because uh, this is a pretty charismatic group, and he told his team, he said, look, if I hear, because this is a group that kind of, you know, these are some holy rollers that are doing this. And so, uh, so they specifically said, look, we're going to Wall Street. So we're there to release the presence of Jesus Christ. We want to release the culture of heaven. Um, however... But we want to be explicit about this. If one of you falls down and starts rolling, you'll be interceding from the hotel room. If I hear one, whoa, ho, who, ha, ha, or any of that nut stuff, uh, it's, that's not happening here. Not that they don't do it, because they do it all the time. That's why they were saying, don't do it here. We just want you to go, and we just want you to just, you have Jesus in you. Amen? Does everybody have Jesus in you? And we want you to walk around, and we want you to just look for divine appointments, um, they had been invited as a, uh, was, they actually were invited Bethel School, um, the Business School of Supernatural Ministry. So they came as the Business School of Supernatural Ministry, and they're walking around at Wall Street. And they had some cool divine appointments. Hey, you know, we're just hanging out and talking with different people. What are you here? Well, we're here with the Business School, and we're just on a field trip. Well, great. Hey, by the way, you know, do you, do you have a pain in your neck right now? Yeah, actually, I do. Oh, well, you know, we've actually seen some healings now and then. Would you like me to pray for you? Yes, we would. Okay, well, Lord, just heal him. Ow, what? My neck is healed. Somebody got their neck healed. That's very cool. They're on Wall Street. But something extraordinary happened. As they're walking around on the first day, the Dow went up 150 points. Now, the guy who leads this business school has a background in business. His master's is in business. And so he's thinking, you know, that's cool. You know, that's cool. But it could be very coincidental. And so he's like, you know, what? Could I, is, am I really believing that, that, that we walked around and, you know, released Jesus and the Dow went up 150 points, you know? Eh, maybe, but, I mean, I'd like to believe that. But, you know, he's, he's a very, very cool guy, very... Um, a lot of integrity. So he's not going to go out and start sharing a testimony. You know, we did some praying and the Dow went up because of that. He wanted to see some, some quantifiable evidence for that. And so the next day, um, they do the same thing. And this time, based on them doing such a nice job of just blessing people, and you know, it's all about relationship, isn't it? So I think the guy who had his neck healed told somebody and what have you, they end up getting to go up into the members only boardroom. They're hanging out. They're sitting in the president's chair. Uh, just talking, praying, and they're just releasing heaven, and they're being real cool about it. They're undercover, you know. They're they're they are they are communicating in a way that the culture understands. Okay, they're not coming in and trying to get everybody to do a thing. They're just showing up and wanting Jesus to do His thing. So that day, the Dow goes up another 150 points. The paper ends up running a story 
And here's what it said. Revival in Wall Street. (laughs) Not only that, but the story goes on to say the Dow went up 300 points in two days for no discernible reason. Do you think that God cares about economies? I know. Actually, for some of you, you're like, I've never thought about that before. You should, because he does. Because he does. And we're going to talk some more about that here in just a moment. But Awino is going to pray over us and me and the word of God as we present it. Good morning, church. How are we doing? I don't need a mic, do I? <laughs> it's on now. I thought I was loud enough. So, <laughs> um, While I was worshiping there, I, I was feeling this thing that uh, there are some of you that are kind of um, worried about your future, like really worried and just like you can't stop thinking about your future and how bad it's going to look like. And um, I felt like the Lord was saying uh, there's no need to worry because... In the midst of the storm, he is right there. And he is willing to help you and find you just where you are. Amen? I don't know who that person is or who those people are, but you know yourselves. Just trust in the Lord. Put or fix your eyes on Jesus, and he's going to take care of everything. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to say thank you for this wonderful morning. Thank you for who you are. You're such an amazing God, and we just give you the glory. Um, In the midst of the storm, you're right there, and we just want to praise and just worship you. Every time, every word, Lord, it's amazing to be part of your kingdom. It's amazing to be just really um, see you moving into our lives and just, um, wow, I just want to pray that today, as Pastor Josh is going to bring this word, I pray that you open the ears and the eyes of our hearts that we would receive your word just the way it is. I know he's just a man, but you are with him, and you are willing to speak through him, and he's, he's here. He's here. He surrendered his life and his family just to serve you and to build your kingdom and establish Whatever you want him to establish, Lord. And we give you glory for that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Don't you love this man? You know, there are some people in this life that no matter what I say, they're going to say it better. And Awino is one of those men. I'm going to jump right in here. I've got lots of fun stuff to cover. We've been talking about establishing the kingdom. We've been talking, last week we talked about that our eye must be single. And we want to look, it's single towards what? It's single towards Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And it is single towards the establishment of his kingdom. Amen? So I'm going to jump right in because this is a continuation of that idea of what are we looking at? What are we looking for? And what does it look like? So let's jump in. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. 
And a voice came out of heaven saying, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So Jesus, his ministry begins with this, a, a absolute um, endorsement from the father that he is what? A son. So identity. Immediately the father establishes the identity of Jesus Christ. You're a son. And it says then that the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a, do- like a dove. The Holy Spirit came upon him. He became a son. He, he was already the son, but he understands it. And not only that, but God endorses him. You're my son. And then the spirit comes upon him. And a voice came out of heaven. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. So those two things happen. You guys tracking? All right. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to jump through a lot of the gospel right now. And as I do that, what I want to draw your attention to is that the gospel was written by the followers of Jesus Christ. These were the men that walked with Christ for three years. And during that time, Jesus was teaching them some specific themes. Now, how many of you know that when you start to learn something, you usually have to hear it more than one time, correct? Okay, but I think a lot of us read the Bible, and because the Gospels say it usually only one time, then we assume like, oh, well, the Gospel said it one time, so that was good, I should learn that, um, but it was only really said once, probably. Okay, no, you got to realize, these dudes wrote the Gospel several years later, after walking with Jesus, after he said these things a lot of times. You see that? They're walking around with Jesus for three years while he's demonstrating the kingdom and teaching about the kingdom. So the the, the lessons that you're hearing, those are the lessons that Jesus kept reiterating and reiterating. He's going, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. Love your neighbor. Love God. These were themes he kept teaching again and again. And he would say it different ways, but he would say it again and again. So I want you to picture that. So as we're reading through this, I want you to picture these are the distilled down teachings of Jesus Christ as he walked with the disciples. So here they are, walking. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding district, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, And sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now you notice he read Isaiah 61. He read Isaiah 61, but he stopped. He didn't read all of Isaiah 61. Notice where he stopped. You see, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord. But he stops before it comes to this line. And the day of vengeance of our God. Now, you got to remember that the followers of God at that time are waiting for the bloody overthrow of Rome, who was oppressing them, and the establishment of Jerusalem as a national power again in Israel. You guys catching this? 
So they're wanting to see this. And Jesus comes and says, here, God has anointed me. He called me a son. He put the spirit upon me, and he's anointed me for what? To do all of these things. And he stops before he gets to the day of the vengeance of our God. Why is this? And I want to show you this, and then I want to talk about the picture that God is painting in Isaiah 61. You guys interested? Are you having fun? Because I am. I'm having enough fun for all of us. (laughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now Jesus says, greater works than what you see me do, you will do. And we just saw in Isaiah 61 the list of things that Jesus said that he was anointed to do. Do you guys see that? Okay. Now, hold on to this because I've, I've got a cover. Did you guys eat salad for breakfast? Because you're getting steak right now. All right? So just get ready. Get your knife out because you ain't getting salad. You ain't getting dessert. There's no milk. I hope you already drank it. Get your scripture on. All right. So he says this. He says, greater things than these he will you do because I'm going to go to the Father. Now I want to move forward. John 15, 12, 15, 12 through 15. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that one lays down his life for his friends. And you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave doesn't know what his master's doing. But I've called you my friends. For all the things I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Why? Because you're doing the same things that I'm doing. You're my friends because you're doing what I'm commanding you. Are you guys tracking so far? And he lays out what friends act like. They lay their lives down for who else? For their friends. I'm the ultimate friend. You're my friend if you do what I'm doing. Now, John 16, we're continuing on the story. But I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. So this is a little later in the story. But remember, you're picturing three years the disciples are hanging out with Jesus. He's demonstrating the kingdom. He's demonstrating Isaiah 61, stopping short of the day of the vengeance of our God. And he's demonstrating that first part. And then he says to them, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper won't come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes... He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. The Holy Spirit will convict them of sin because they don't believe in me. How many of you guys know that no one comes to the Father unless he calls them? And how does he call them? Through the spoken word and through the activity of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts them of sin. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. So the Holy Spirit's here on earth. So he's saying this, the the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. They won't be able to look at me, Jesus Christ, walking around doing stuff and saying stuff. So the Holy Spirit is going to have to do the work that I'm doing. How many of you know when Jesus has come to you, it's amazing when Jesus shows up by virtue of the Holy Spirit, how he is so beautiful in showing us like you have fallen short of the standard And, and and you're repentant, you're sorrowful for what you've done, but you never feel condemned, do you? It's so sweet, isn't it? The presence of how Jesus deals with you. I mean, you know when he comes and he just goes, oh, that thing that you just said? Come on. That's not you. That's not me. I want you to go fix that. And you're like, oh, Jesus, thank you. But he's so sweet 
in the way he does it. That's his personality, isn't it? And the Holy Spirit is so sweet, isn't he? The Spirit of God. And then I love this. And concerning judgment, so this is the activity of what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Concerning judgment, because of the ruler of the world has been judged. Who is he saying that the Holy Spirit is going to speak these things to? I'll help you. When he comes, he will convict the world. The Holy Spirit is speaking to the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, look at this. This is so cool. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. The Holy Spirit will talk to the world about the fact that he has judged Satan. Imagine this for a moment. I mean, I'm saying, like, right now, put your imagination cap on and picture, like, okay, I'm going to talk to someone who has no grid for the kingdom of heaven. They think it's a fairy tale. And as I come in to an encounter with this person, the Spirit of God in me, as I'm interacting with them, is going to convict them of sin, which is the things that are broken, of righteousness, which is the standard of which God has set, and of judgment because he's judged them. No, no, that's not what it says. Of judgment because he's judged Satan. The kingdom of heaven is so superior that talking about God, talking about the kingdom shows how Satan has fallen so short. In other words, you can tell the story of what the God of this world has created, and you can look at it, and you can put it juxtaposition against the kingdom, and by the virtue of the Holy Spirit, when you compare those things, people go, he what? Do you guys know that the world does not love Satan? They don't love Satan. Nobody loves Satan. Even his own followers are deceived and have like a very fear-based relationship with him. The Spirit of God has judged the God of this world. I don't have enough time to spend more time unpacking that, but I think as you're driving around this week, you're gonna go, you're, this one's going to stick with you. All right, you enjoying the steak so far? There's a lot of chewing going on, and that's okay. This is going to come together, and you're going to love it. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Who? The Holy Spirit. All right. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. All right. Now, see the progression. Three years, he's walking with them. He's shown them what's up. He's been anointed. He, they know that he's the son of God. He's been anointed to, to go to fulfill Isaiah 61 up to the point of the vengeance of our God. And now, this is right before he's leaving. So he's, he's uh, wait, hang on now. Yes, okay, so he's getting ready to leave. And he says to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, say all nations, okay, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father 
upon you. But you're to stay in the city, say city, until you're clothed with power from on high. How many of you can see where I'm going with this? Anyone yet? Don't answer that. (laughs) Okay, let's summarize. Jesus is called a son. How many of you remember that he is the firstborn of many? He's anointed with the Spirit of God so that he can do his ministry, which he does, to fulfill Isaiah 61 up to the point of vengeance is where he started. Then he goes to the cross, he dies, he rises again. After he's done that, throughout all of his teaching ministry, he keeps telling us, And telling the first disciples and then through them us, because didn't he say, blessed are those who have not seen and will believe. I pray not just for these, but for those that will come. So that's us. Also, he's the firstborn of many. What are we? The many. All right. And he says, here's where we are. Here's where we are so far, guys. Greater things will you do. What does that look like? What does it look like to do greater things than Jesus? I'm going to answer that in a minute. He continually tells them, greater things you will do. How will you do them? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, you're my friends if you do what I command. He's telling them, you're my friends. Not just because we're like buddy-buddy, like, hey, dude, you know, if you're up to it, let's hang out. That'd be cool. Maybe we'll get some coffee or something. You know, you do your thing, but hey, if we hook up, it's all good. No, no. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command. If you're up to what I'm up to, then you're my friends. And how do you know that you're my friends? You can hear my voice How do you know that? Because of this Holy Spirit. And you guys remember, what is the Holy Spirit? It's the spirit of adoption. Whereabout we cry out, Abba, Father. Which means if he's our Father, and Jesus is the firstborn of many, then all y'all are my brothers and sisters. I'm I'm pulling from a lot of places here, but you guys are with me, yes? And then he says to them, okay, you're going to go make disciples of all nations, starting with cities. In fact, start with this city. Start in Jerusalem, which is a city. I want you to go to this city, and I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And then from that city and moving outward, I want you to make disciples of all nations. And by the way, you're my friends, and I'll tell you all things. In fact, I'm telling you. And by the way, also, something else that's really cool, all that cool stuff you see me do so far in all these little towns surrounding this big city of Jerusalem. See, Jesus did his ministry in a bunch of little towns. Did anybody see that? Karen always says, when you apologize for spitting, no one saw it anyway. But I saw that. That was a lot of spit. And I feel like, anyway, maybe I should focus. So Jesus, he does all of his ministry, and then he comes in and he culminates his ministry in Jerusalem, and he's killed. And he dies, and he, what does he do? Well, let's take a look at this. And you know what he does? He comes as the son. And the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he is anointed, and he preaches good tidings to the poor. And he heals up the brokenhearted, and he proclaims liberty to the captives, all of them. Everyone was dead in sin. Jesus comes and says there's liberty. In fact, he even goes and preaches to those who are already dead in Hades. He opens up prison doors to everyone that was kept out. In other words, he starts the ministry of the Father on earth. But Jesus stopped and said, in this day, this has begun. Remember the very beginning here in Luke? 
in this day, this scripture is fulfilled. And he stops before he gets to the vengeance part. But now Jesus said, greater things will you do because I go to the Father. And how will you do them? You'll do them just like I do them. And when will you start doing them? When you realize you're a son and a daughter. And with what power will you do them? By virtue of the Holy Spirit. Without the same anointing that Jesus had, we can't do the things that Jesus did. That makes sense, doesn't it? You guys are so quiet. You guys are so quiet. Is it, or is it coming together, though? I'm, I'm just seeing gears turning. Are they turning? All right, so here you are, sons and daughters, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, good. I think we're all there. How many of you know you're a son or a daughter? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Good group participation here. How many of you realize that you've received the Holy Spirit of God? Excellent. We're doing good. We're right on track. How many of you are friends of God? Are you doing what he commanded? Are you? I'm just teasing. Yes, you are. And, uh, and so then we say, okay, and then how many of you realize that you're going to do greater things than Jesus? I know, a little pensive, because you're like, I, I don't think I've done that yet, but I, I believe it, but I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't had a finger. Like, I've done a little bit. So what does it look like then to do greater things than Jesus did? And I believe, I believe that there's a clue here, because Jesus started his ministry, and he kicked it off with Isaiah 61. You guys know that, that a person without parish, a person without parish, person without a parish will speak to themselves. No. A person without vision will perish and probably speak to themselves. We have to have a vision. How many of you have ever tried to do a puzzle without the box top? Like even the pros don't, oh, come on, Marianne. God bless you. Did you, did you, did you get it done? Oh, my God. That's because God gave you a vision. You were cheating and you asked the Holy Spirit to show you. Okay, for the rest of us that aren't already having ascended to heaven but then decided to stay a little yet longer, um, you need that box top, don't you? It is so confusing to know where the puzzle pieces go if you can't look at the big picture. You just walk around and show people, look at my shiny, I'm a part of the body, right? This is beautiful. I got gifts. I think there's like a little apple tree in there. I'm fruity. But, but when you get the box top, you start knowing how things fit together. Now, I don't have time to unpack this as far as I would have liked to have gone today. So I am going to, I'm going to close with a couple of thoughts. The first one is this. If I don't understand what the big picture is, the box top for the puzzle, if I don't understand that, then I don't know where I fit in. Not only do I not know where I fit in, but I will, I will actually diminish my dreaming, my understanding, my application to the kingdom of heaven because I have a very small picture of what that would be. And what do I mean by that? I'm saying that if I don't understand what God wants to do on this earth, like for instance, I think all of us have had the experience, most of us, of growing up in, in, a, in more of a gospel of the church than a gospel of the kingdom. And so when we would dream dreams, we would go, I love Jesus, and you all do. And so we would dream a dream, and we'd say, I love Jesus, and I want to I be a part of what he's doing. And so and, 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 and since I love him, I must be a pastor, Sunday school teacher, children's minister, marriage counselor, missionary, or, you know, help service. And, and, and so... And so you're like, and you love Jesus, and you're beautiful, so you went after those things. But then you realized, that's only like two hours out of the week, four if I'm involved in like a midweek thing. Like, I have all this love for Jesus, and, and yet I'm only really engaged like four hours out of the week? Really? 
The only ministry I can think of is, which is a beautiful one. I'm not diminishing any of this. It's wonderful. It's just that that's only one facet, isn't it? I mean, if there's seven spheres, seven main spheres, and, and even within those seven spheres, there's myriad different things in the kingdom, but all I can think of is church, then, then my dreams are extraordinarily narrow. Not because church isn't important, but because the church is in the kingdom, but not all the kingdoms in church, is it? Now, the truth is, if you're not part of church, you have no business in the kingdom. And so my dreams will be narrow. My imagination will be stunted. And my application will be finite. But if I begin to understand what God's wanting to build... If I begin to dream the way that he's dreaming, then suddenly the things that I'm good at, the, the gifts, because you're gifts, aren't you? The gifts, I start to dream in a much bigger mosaic. And then I understand, wow, as a part of a family and as a part of a church and with the gifts that are within me, I can extend the kingdom in this way. Not in a, a bitter, creepy way that says, well, I tried to go to the church and they didn't have a place for me. No, you tried to be a part of a church in a way that didn't apply properly with the kingdom because your outward gift is released in a different way. Are you catching this? Some of you are bitter with the church because you're like, the church held me back. But actually, no, God is opening our eyes to understand, no, the church gets to do a lot of things in the kingdom, but not everything in the kingdom happens within this context of this room. But without the context of this room, you have no vision. You don't know what the box top looks like. And even if you do, you'll forget after a while because you get busy doing the work. We just repented this morning for being really busy doing Jesus' work. We got so busy, we forgot Jesus. And how did we, how did we come to that revelation? Because we came into the house of God and we remembered a whole bunch of stuff. Because there is a corporate blessing that happens when we gather like this where God calibrates us back to the kingdom. That's why the word says, do not forsake the gathering together of the brethren as some are in the habit of doing. Isn't this fun? So let me talk to you a little more about this box top. You see, a lot of us have been dreaming within a very narrow confine. And the truth is, in the application of that narrow confine, your gift doesn't make as much sense. But in the context of the kingdom, what dreams we have. Yeah? Now, this is so cool. And the day of vengeance of our God. Now, when did that happen? I would like to suggest to you that it's happening right now. Now, think back when Jesus is talking. He says, and the Spirit of God, when it comes, will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Who gets judged? Satan. Greater things than this you will do for I go to the Father. In another place it says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Well, let's just think about it. I mean, we just had Lucifer up here. And Lucifer was just not excited about our children getting established in the kingdom. I wonder how I'd get vengeance on him. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm going to make those. I'm going to bring my kid. I'm going to make him. I'm going to bring my kid. 
to children's church, and I'm going to get them so established that they dream dreams that are so big that they release all kinds of practical, incredible heaven, maybe in every sphere. And I'm going to make him watch. (laughs) Now that's sweet vengeance. I ain't just going to snuff him out. I'm not just going to come in. I'm God, right? I'm not God. I'm talking on his behalf. I'm just made in his image so I get excited about his stuff. Are you starting to catch this? I have to land. Here's what we're going to do. This is, you're getting the whole message. It's just not as much as I like to put into it, which probably means it's pretty good. Think about this. Jesus said something else. He said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Yeah, steal, kill, and destroy. Do you think that God invented poverty? What about dirty water? Broken families? Bad communication? Disease? Pollution? Greed? Lust? Perversion? Anger? Malice? Bitterness? Are those God's things? So if Satan really likes that stuff, and I truly want to get vengeance on my enemy. And we know in the word it says your battle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers in high places. And the weapons of our warfare are mighty for the tearing down of strongholds and every thought that lifts itself up against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus Christ? Well, he's the one who came to set the captives free. I believe that you are here. You know, where are you on the map? You are here. Right here. The day of vengeance of our God. Now, I believe there's some other applications to this. But I think it's important that we start seeing this thing in, a, in a, I believe, a much better context. And I just want to now read through this and give you a picture of what God is building on the earth. And then we'll go a little further into this in the future. So he says this. The devil has brought pain and brokenness and isolation and death Let's comfort all who mourn. Take that, devil. I'm getting my vengeance. You're going to watch. I'm going to console those who mourn in Zion. We're going to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. How am I going to do that? Because the Holy Spirit has anointed me to do this, and he's anointed you to do this. And you know what this is? This is further down the list than what Jesus did. You see, Jesus only preached, really, to like 12 people. I mean, he preached to everyone, but he only trained up 12 dudes. Everybody else left when he was like, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, okay, Jesus. All right, take it easy. So he spends all of his time on 12 people, which was fantastic. But come on, he didn't really get it done, did he? No, he didn't. In fact, he told them, guys, I didn't get it done. I only got this far down the list. But greater things you will do. And by the way, start in the city. I've done a bunch of country ministry. Now, I love the country, and I do want you to understand that by country, I mean, literally, these were like, Nazareth was like 500 people, okay? This is a city. Junction City is a city. 
Eugene is a city. Springfield is a city. He says, go in there and start in those cities, and I want you to bring heaven to earth. And here's what heaven looks like. Here's how you're going to do this. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And, and, and I'm just going to end on this thought because we are out of time, but here it is. Look at this. And they, that's us, shall rebuild the old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Who was looking at cities and dreaming over seeing them being destroyed? Do you think God took joy in destroying Sodom and Gomorrah? He did not. He hated having to see that happen. Do you know who rejoiced over the destruction of cities? Satan. Every single time he came and he tempted and he lied and he deceived and he, and he grieved and he used sin and he used all these leverages to try to take God's people from him. And God says, but I tell you, I want you to go and rebuild the old ruins. I want you to rebuild the cities do you know that cities have more glory of God per capita than any other area in the earth? Why? Because you're made in the image of God. You got more people, you got more God. There's more creativity. There's more synergy. There are more social services. I love the country. I'm not saying that that's, the country's bad. I'm just saying cities are better. If you fall down in a field and your tractor ran you over, I hope you have a cell phone and your friend is in the city. <laughs> Sounds like I'm knocking country. I'm not. I'm just saying God's dreaming about our cities. And Isaiah 61 has a roadmap for how he wants them to look. And when he said greater things, he meant greater things. And he left this unfinished. And if you want to know what it looks like to build heaven on earth, start here. Let's stand. Put one hand on your head and one on your heart. And then just do a circle here and pat. <laughs> I know, just like every other year. I know, it's an old joke. Sorry. I, I, really, I do want you to do it, though, because I, I think we need to pray. Lord, I'm not counting on me being the most eloquent speaker. I'm not counting on uh, this being a performance or something that somehow changes the way that we think and reason. What I'm counting on is that your word is a two-edged sword. And the Spirit of God has anointed us to preach the gospel and to proclaim freedom to the captives. And our hearts and our brains need to understand. So we have no problem being foolish and laying hands on these things and saying, Lord, heal them. Help them to think and reason from this place. Lord, this is just simply our physical act of obedience to say, Lord, anoint us and let us dream Isaiah 61 over the cities. God, calibrate us to your purposes. Lord, humble us so that we are your friends because we do what you command. Lord, we lay down our little agendas and our little projects, and we say, Lord, I don't want any of this stuff unless it contributes to your box top, your kingdom, what you're building. I submit to you, Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys are amazing. I was wanting to ask you, would you guys take some more of those welcome cards on your way out? They're right out the store on the left, and it's a free cup of coffee. Just give it to people. It has a scripture on the back, and um, just hand those babies out. Just throw them places. Just take a big handful and just toss them to people. Give them like a $10 tip and that card. God bless you guys. If you need prayer for your body, the prayer servant team is up front. We'd love to see healing for you. 
God bless you. You're the God of this city. You're the King of this people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. For greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. And greater things are still to be done in this city You're the Lord of creation The creator of all things You're the king above all kings You are You're the strength in our 